you may find that when you take a deep breath, you will start to relax. With every exhale, you're letting go of every tension, every worry, and surrendering to the highest good for all. It is possible that every breath out, you allow everything that doesn't serve you to flow away. You may find yourself looking into the future to where you are, your highest self. With every breath, you are connecting to a higher source of love. This higher consciousness is here to help you connect with your highest potential. see your future self, what do you see? Hello everybody, I'm excited to be blasting through your headphones, through your car, through your laptop, wherever you are. And uh, welcome to the Sacred Ancestry Podcast. And I'm so blessed today to have one of the best humans on earth with me, Johnny Bessie. He's uh, one of my best friends, cohort, and we've done everything together through our whole life. And I can't wait to share our journey together with all of you on the podcast. So without any further ado, Johnny, why don't you introduce yourself and tell them what you do? Hey y'all, this is Johnny. Um, glad to be here. This is my first podcast. I'm pretty excited. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, like, like Thomas said, we've known each other since we were five, going on, I don't know, 27 years friendship. Um, yeah, I'm an I'm a organic gardener uh, up in Seattle, Washington. So just trying to take care of the earth one yard at a time. Right. And then, so really you're taking your, your landscaping to like the next level of like turning it into art in people's front yards. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, that's the goal. That's the goal right now. And, you know, just kind of taking it slow and just doing whatever people need. But, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, trying to, you know, kind of mend, you know, blend, uh, you know, kind of hardcore regenerative permaculture with, uh, kind of art installation. So trying to bring aesthetics and uh, function together into uh, workable landscapes in your average urban front yard. Oh man, that sounds so freaking cool. So what are like some of the clients that you've helped out recently? Uh, recently, I had a guy uh, down the street. Uh, it's kind of funny enough, I, I picked him up through swimming. I was actually doing my usual kind of Wim Hof method uh, late night uh, sunset swim here in Puget Sound and he was just kind of a like-minded dude who seemed pretty interested and uh, wanted to um, you know participate and see what I was doing he chatted with me and turned, we, you know, we started connecting on on our shared ethics about garden spaces and so yeah he's got a nice property 
overlooking the sound and we're we're trying to turn it into a little like uh, oasis with uh you know fruit cultivation vegetables chickens you name it a little spot for him and his kids to just kind of chill out oh man that sounds so cool so like a full-on little tiny farm in the city yeah yeah that's the, that's the plan hell yeah that sounds awesome well, so today I really wanted to talk about something we did as as kids together that uh, it's crazy how much I can remember the exact details even to this day of uh, a game we used to play, uh, imaginary game, of course, uh, called Creatures. And uh, so to explain to everybody what we would do is just pick a hero of like, I think my favorite, my favorite uh, hero that I picked was like a dinosaur with kind of Ninja Turtle uh, face mask. And he was like a ninja and Spider-Man all at once. And we would just travel around the universe and going into different portals, into different worlds and fight like negative energy. And it was just so real when we were kids that it's unbelievable that I still think about it today. And I just wanted to open that up to, to you, Johnny. Like how has that affected you in your life? And like just having to look back on playing creatures like that was so crazy yeah man it was uh you know it, it was funny because it, it it seems like your average childhood kind of imaginary game but when i look back on it like you're right man it seems it seems like it was more than that you know because i remember there was times where you know i'd be alone and i'd almost feel like i was seeing the portals that we had kind of like made up and talked about open up in my yard at night and or, you know, at school, like even when we're not playing the game, it seemed to, you know, be, it was so, it was so vivid and looking back on it now, you know, it just kind of, it has that ring of truth to it where it almost, it gets into some really interesting realms. And I, I do spend a lot of my time thinking about it, like what was actually going on. Cause, cause then it gets into, you know, it, it brings up the whole, what is imagination? You know, I think imagination is one of the most important things in in the human toolkit that nobody really thinks about we take for granted and it just uh you know we don't really take time to like acknowledge what it is like our, where consciousness is accessing this like the future basically it's almost like we're mentally going into the quantum realm and like choosing a path and and picking something out of it so you know it, it really does strike strikes home to me when i think about those games we we're playing like what actually was happening and it and it reminds me somewhat of, uh, you know, Amit Goswami's work about, you know, the true nature of reality and kind of that uh, fundamental consciousness realm. Right. And then, yeah, just the quantum mechanics of, you know, opening a portal up to fight negative energy with this, you know, crazy heroes. We had so many different heroes. It's so much like a video game, but like you're right, it just opens up that quantum realm of, you know, did we really open up portals? Did we actually go to different realities or parallel realms like quantum mechanics is talking about now? And it's just so interesting of is like, you know, after all the meditation and, and plant medicine that um, we've all experienced, like it's, it's just, is our consciousness that powerful to change uh, parallel dimensions, all sorts of things. And it really raises that question of like, yeah, what is imagination? What is my consciousness? And, and it's just so powerful to really sit with that of who am I? What is this universe? What is going on here that I can literally change where I'm at just by thinking? Like, it's so crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, 
it it really I think it speaks to the the kind of unknown nature of consciousness because consciousness you know it it isn't necessarily it doesn't seem to be quite entirely physical so if it's not tied to the you know actual physical you know three-dimensional space-time that our bodies happen to be operating in it, it would make sense that given the right sort of I don't know, channeling that you could expand that into non three dimensional space or into other, other three dimensional spaces. But to me, it almost felt like when we we're playing that game, our bodies were, were kind of like, almost like when you're punching a dream, it's like our bodies were moving around in three dimensional space, but our consciousness had transcended our three dimensional space and us running around in the actual three dimensional world was just kind of like, a vestigial connection as we transcended that and we're, you know, underwater as like you said, you know, reptilian Jedi monks with lightsabers and shit. Like, (laughs) (laughs) right. (laughs) Oh man. Yeah. It's just so crazy that it's so vivid still. Like I remember it was yesterday and I think it really opens up the the question of, of, uh, you know, really just, Oh, let's see. Oh, I lost it when I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> That's the nature of the beast, man. I know, right? It's such a transient floating thing, this consciousness. Uh-huh. But yeah, it's crazy because I remember introducing it to other friends at school. And like, MRS1 friend, we were playing for a while like at recess. And we he got into it to the point where he was getting concerned. Like you could see he was <laughs> visibly shaken because he was concerned because he saw like some sort of like uh you know alien creature in the woods stalking him and it was it it wasn't just like he was pretending like you could see the physical fear reactions happening in his body you know and so it's like it you know it's one hand you could say that the mind's just that powerful that it, you know because your mind and your physical body are connected so it can you know like psychosomatically control your whole physiology but you know i think it's probably a two-way street you know that 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 consciousness can it's not mutually exclusive that it's just in your head because what is in your head even mean like what that that whole idea of it's just in your head is kind of silly it's kind of reductionist because they're taking for granted that they even know what being in your head means right right so i I got that thought back so you know, as kids, you always hear about all these kids talk about being in World War II as an airplane pilot and all this. And, you know, they remember these past lives and things like that. But it really brings up the question of, are we closer to the in-between lives state? Are we closer to, you know, the place where we receive our body or past life regression type stuff with, uh, you know, Michael Newton's work is really interesting with the life in-between lives. And seeing where these hypnosis patients go deep into regression, but then all of a sudden they're like, wait a minute, I'm like before I'm born and I'm in this committee of these soul teachers that are telling me this is going to be my life. Like, and as children, we're so much closer to that experience and so powerful Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. I've really noticed, like, just listen to the kids. Like they're spot on. They know what they're talking about. Like kids are so in tune with their hearts. They see what they see all of our feelings, they see all of our negative states, they really know what's going on. Like the children, 
are so powerful. And I, I don't think people really like, they just, you know, dismiss kids cause they're not grown up yet. But when they're so close to that, you know, seven, five to seven years of age, it's like, wow, man, they really know what's going on in the universe. It's inspiring. Yeah. I mean, and, it, and it's true because even younger you hear, I've heard toddlers like just ba- just barely able to speak say things that give me chills like and i and I, I can't think of any specifics at the moment but i'm sure we all know what i'm talking about it's like you hear toddlers say the most interesting profound almost psychedelic shit that you just can't imagine like that they even know what they're talking about and and as adults we get so we get so locked into the duality of kind of space time you know everyday work life you know gravity is this hunger is that you know you have these hard physical limits that kind of grab your attention kind of hold your kind of mold your consciousness into this survival mode to make sure your meat vehicle makes it to sexual maturity and passes on its genes that you you get that kind of pummeled out of you almost where it's like okay most of us have experienced that. We all came from that same place. We all come from that place of, of you know, of in between life where we're in the you know, whatever you want to call it, the that realm of all the the all consciousness, you know, all of existence, where we understand and know all things at once. And then as we are put into these physical entities. You know, you have physical requirements and then slowly it starts to fade out and it's almost akin to being jaded. But then adults look back on that and they say, you know, there's almost a pain that we feel when we see kids. And it's almost like we're lashing out at them because we see that they still have that connection and we're almost jealous. And so it kind of, I think a lot of that, that negativity towards actually expressing what these kids are connected to is is almost that pain of loss of, of that connection that we are experiencing. Yeah, that's so beautiful, man. That's an awesome thought like that. We're lashing out at children because we're so jealous of like the way I see them is they're in flow state. They're in flow state yeah. at all times. Like, yeah. and that's all we want to do as adults. Like, what do I want to do with my life? Like, I just want to go snowboarding and travel and write and sit on the beach and be in the mountains and play with my dog. And it's just like, because that puts me in a flow state. That's all I want to do is be in flow state. And I think that's, you know, something that most of, if not all adults are striving for that flow state. And it's like, when we're so detached from this flow, from this, you know, being centered and actually being in your body and your mind at the same time, it's like, that's where anxiety starts. That's where Mm -hmm. all these negative states start that you're, you know, you're disconnected from who you are as a, as uh you know i'll just say the sacred ancestry of who we are is really these light beings that are in a meat body for some time you know we're disconnected from that divine energy that flow state and i think that's such a huge problem for uh just our world in general right now is getting back to that sacred ancestry to that knowing of being a light being yeah yeah i mean it it's interesting because that flow state to me almost seems like pure consciousness. You know, it's almost one way to describe it. And when you're not in flow state, it's because your consciousness is being filtered through the biochemistry of your brain. 
you know, and so you, like your brain is like the filter of the light energy or the conscious, whatever you want to call it, of being of of your, you know, non corporeal entity, and it's like almost like your meat vehicle. The biochemistry of your brain is translating it, and biochemistry has these billion year old pathways for survival of fight or flight or you know these anxiety pathways that's how it's how dna was able to like replicate and expand and proliferate into the you know into the modes that we see now and trying to reconcile that like pure consciousness flow state of being released from your body but while still in control like being in your body and in flow state is kind of the ultimate goal and it's it's interesting that you see, everybody i feel like most people know this like everybody everybody talks about this we all know that feeling of bliss we all know that our bodies have these neurochemical links that kind of steer us around into anger or bliss or pain or anxiety or hunger or fatigue you know you name it uh but it's just it's so hard to kind of maintain that flow state when you're fighting against your neurochemistry and you're right. I mean, that's exactly what we're seeing all around us. You know, we get stuck in these computer games. We get stuck in TV. We get stuck in the grind of nine to five, you know, corporate job systems where you, you don't, ha you're always in that fight or flight mode. You always have that neurochemistry of, of anxiety and, and adrenaline pumping through your brain, which clouds your actual inner vision, which clouds your connection to the divine light. It's like a muddy lens that we're trying to like shine through. Right. Yeah. And uh, one of the books I'm working on right now, I talk about uh, creating like this connection between your, your gut. And there's a lot of science that says there's, there's more neurological connections in your gut than your brain, which is like, okay, yeah. that's crazy. So, you know, when you get that gut check of like, this doesn't feel right, we really need to be listening to that. And then as well, there's, there's a lot of neurology, uh, neural network in the heart, uh -huh. um, almost as much as the brain. And so what I found um, through firefighting really is like max performance, max flow state is when you align this gut, heart, brain and become like one single nervous system and really yeah. like tune into that. And it's like, man, you just so in tune of exactly what's going all around you. You can see behind you like if you ever heard a sports uh, broadcaster say, oh man, he's got eyes in the back of his head. It's like <laughs> that he does like he's in flow state, like to the maximum performance. And he's got this, you know, all in one nervous system sensing organ. It's like the human body is just a sensing organ all at once. Okay. And Oh, it's so powerful, man, to really like go get into that flow state and really feel that like, all three connected mind, body, spirit. It's just so huge, so relaxing. And so like, it just makes you feel congruent with yourself of this is, this is what I am. I, whatever you're doing in flow state, you feel amazing. Like this is what you are. Like I am the snowboard, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it really, it's, it's funny how simple it is, but it's so, it can be so hard to like, hold on to that, you know? Because you, you experience those moments, and, and if you don't 
if you don't take the time to set up a practice of actually making sure you have those three things in alignment of like, all right, what's my microbiome doing? Like, am I, am I throwing it out of whack by what I'm eating or am I working too much at this sedentary job and I'm not getting enough, you know, physical motion going through because I mean, yeah, because it is your whole body is a nervous system. We think that we're these little like robot people in our, in the skulls, the cockpit, you know, and our body is just this mech suit, but it's not like our entire body is just everything in existence is energy. It's just an energy pattern. And we're more than just, we, we think because we see through our skull, like our eyeballs in our skull, and we're such visually oriented creatures that, that we, we focus on that sensory perception. And therefore we assume our consciousness is just in our skull. You know, we act like the rest of our body is just like a mech suit to be like operated like a machine. But your nervous system is your entire body. It's everything. And and when you're not moving, you know, you, you get these stagnant pools and you get dead connections where you don't have you're not. Oh, you have a blockage in your knee that's disrupting the connection of your like nervous system to your feet and your calves and the hair follicles on your shins and every single hair follicle is another node in that system that tells you what what the wind patterns are doing or you're picking up subtle energies in the universe around you and so yeah well you got to have your body in line you got to have your your gut biome in line and then you know your what sort of like mental stimuli also kind of balance in that trinity and it's it's tough man in our society i tell you i struggle with it all the time and it's just uh but getting into those flow states really helps you remember kind of connect to you know almost like a title of your podcast that sacred ancestry you know flow states you know flow states help you connect you know just a listen subtle hint of like the greater consciousness just kind of putting its hand on your shoulder reminding you that you are more than what you think Right. Yeah. It's so crazy. And I guess to go back to the neural network of all the super consciousness and oneness, like I, I really want to talk about my, my awakening experience and I want to hear your thoughts on it. And I think we've talked about it before, but, um, so this was a couple of years ago and I was meditating in bed. Um, and I was doing some really advanced like Qigong, uh, meditation where I was moving energy through my body and I started to feel my energy for the first time. And I was like, whoa, this is so crazy. Like, this is so like unbelievable. And just kept going farther and farther of moving energy through my body until it kind of got stuck in a loop. Ah. And uh, then I went a little bit deeper and I had this sensation at like the bottom of my spine that was just like hot. It was like electric and it just jolted all the way up my spine to my brain and I just felt like my head was going to explode and I passed out and you know I went into a visionary state of what I saw was all of a sudden I was outside of my body and I just I saw the whole earth all at once like a one biosphere and it was just so awe-inspiring of of oh my god this is what the astronauts talk about Mm. like seeing the earth as one biosphere all in one breath like everybody's breathing like everything's all at once on this one biosphere wow this is nuts and then went a little bit further where i was drawn to go into the sun and i just felt so drawn to the sun so i just floated my way into the sun and 
uh, all of that collapsed into like light trails. And so there's light trails connecting this sun to the next sun to that solar system. Mm -hmm. It created a trail all the way to the center of our galaxy. And um, so I just kept following these trails and just curious and just, oh my, what is, what is this going on? You know? And uh, it just seemed, everything seemed to get a little bit faster. And when I got to the center of our Milky Way, there is a black hole and same thing, like a fractal or sacred geometry works, you know, it's just like, okay, this is like the same pattern. What is this? So I went in the black hole and same thing, it collapsed down to light paths and connected all the black holes in the universe, like this galaxy to that galaxy. And just so curious, I kept going and going all the way to the center of the universe. And, uh, you know, at this point, it's just so like un unexplainable. And I started to zoom out and zoom out and started zooming out all the way until I realized that all these galaxies and clusters of galaxies and all of this, they look exactly like a neural network, like a mycelium map. Uh -huh. And I could just see electrical pulses going from the left side of the screen to the right side, over here to over there. And it's just electrical pulses and a neural network of the universe. And when I had that answer of like, this is like, everything is a fractal of of the human brain really like everything is a fractal of that i was just like launched straight back into my body and it was just like oh my god like i got a, a, an answer from the universe and like ever since then my life's been so so different like i could never go back before that instant but yeah i'd love to hear your thoughts about that it was just so life-changing i mean yeah that's that's kind of that's kind of almost the archetypal you know, almost enlightenment moment where you realize, where you fully realize the fact that you are just in like an, a swirling pile, a swirling pattern of energy that is just kind of a whisper of another pattern of energy inside another pattern. Like our, our, our like ego self notion of individualism is just kind of convenient story that I think DNA tells our consciousness to like help manipulate it through three dimensional space. But the reality is there's no such thing as separation. I mean, there is no, you know, it's kind of turtles all the way down, man. It's like the fact that our consciousness is actually just a fraction of the actual consciousness that is the entire universe is it's something that it's hard to really put into words, but I mean, that experience that you had is exactly that. And I've had similar, not quite as, as intensely like journeying experiences where I'm going through those physical pathways in my mind and traveling to all the rest of the cosmos. But I've had just that almost that like singular, like almost like the opposite, but the same kind of the mirror image of that, where I go into almost, you know, through deep meditation into a singularity of just where I just all of a sudden the separations of all the different things, right? You know, all the ideas you have of me, you, that tree, this planet, that, that molecule, this quantum state or whatever, are all just arbitrary separations that we label things. And then you understand that it's all a singular whole. It, it is existence. And I, you know, and I, I kind of use that word a lot, but I realize it's a personal understanding and explanation. It doesn't quite necessarily explain exactly what I mean, but 
but it's that's that's the beauty of it it's hard to explain but yeah it's totally it's totally beautiful this understanding that there is one whole connected thing and that therefore you are you know the that black hole you are the entire universe you are just another node in a network that is everything therefore you are and time isn't how we understand it we think of this linear pathway but it's it's all happening simultaneously that's why you have these kids that remember you know we're in world war ii because they're just tapped into that con that singular consciousness of all things and you know it, and it kind of speaks again to, to bring up uh, Amit goswami's work where he's talking about the you know the unified field theory is the holy grail of of quantum physics reconciled with the you know um general relativity and his theory is that consciousness is the underlying fabric of existence and that helps solve those two you know irreconcilable differences in those two theories and he has studies to prove it i mean we are my one of my i'm kind of rambling now but one of my kind of visual imagery to explain it is that consciousness is is the fabric of the universe that whole universe brain that you're talking about generates consciousness and and then that is a singular light in a center and then we're like almost a mosaic of tile you know colored glass each person each individual ego self is like another piece of that mosaic and it filters the light in a new and different color that's unique to that person but consciousness itself is the light in the center of all things that is being like filtered through whether it's a person or a rock or a star and uh yeah i mean that's the that's the truth of reality and it gets gets hard to talk about words kind of break down but that's why you got to be in that flow state and have those transcendent experiences to really kind of make it all connect. Right. And something that really came to me out of that vision was uh, sacred geometry was like, I could not stop thinking like sacred geometry. Oh my God, sacred geometry for weeks and weeks and months on end. And then, uh, and then just knowing that that was the base of reality and that the, uh, unconditional love this is something that just sticks in my mind ever since that i just it feels like a download of that unconditional love is the fabric of that neural network and that compassion is what drives drives the energy to change to manipulate to create people to create cosmos to yeah. move molecules and atoms is this compassion and that's so abstract i know but i just cannot get over that that unconditional love and compassion is like like you're saying just like consciousness is a a law of the universe it's like somehow those two things tie into it and of course you know buddhism hinduism all the eastern texts you know ancient vedic and huna and you know all the ancient cultures talk about this of of unconditional love and compassion mm -hmm. yeah it's um it's overwhelming sometimes when you can really tap into it it uh because it's so i think it's so absent from particularly in western society in, in the days we live in now and i mean who knows probably it's been like this for most of human history but it's hard to remember that it's hard you get stuck in these patterns of of survival that you forget 
and it's 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 tragic to not when people can't tap into that and don't realize that that everything is okay and that the fundamental nature of all reality is love it's it's a beautiful and it's like it's like swimming in the warmest ocean when you can finally tap into that where you're just floating along on a sea of peace and calm and that that i think is is the struggle of being a sentient being you know it's kind of like the buddhists talk about with you know that understanding the nature of suffering and and um try to transcend that but uh it's definitely there all around us. It's easy to find if you can look, but it's hard to look. I think is the is the real trouble. Right, and that's how oh, so yeah. That's I'm I'm so excited for this podcast because it's this is all I want to do is talk about consciousness and help people realize their sacred ancestry of we are light beings that are here on Earth to learn and take all these learnings from all these struggles and suffering and. Like, where's the lesson in my moment right now? Where's the uh. lesson in in this getting angry or feeling anxiety or depression? Like, what's the lesson in all the war across the planet and all the murdering and all the terrible things? Like, where's the lesson? And we're supposed to take these lessons and take them back to the spirit realm. So, because there's certain things we can't learn in that, you know, next dimension, that next vibration of being in a meat suit is so different. It's such uh. a different context than being in the spirit realm where we really come from. And, and, you know, I guess I want to shift gears just slightly a little bit here and talk about what I'm so curious about is that this I've, you know, I've, I've had both plant medicine experiences and, you know, uh, sober by myself meditation experiences. And it's like, where does the DMT and plant medicine tie into all of this and how, you know, the Buddhists are so against, uh, you know, plant medicines and the Hindus and all of that, you know, in modern times. But, you know, what about the shamans in Peru? They're talking about the same universal uh -huh. existence through ayahuasca or uh -huh. the ancient, you know, the ancient Mesoamericans with mushrooms and, and the Native Americans with, um, you know, their plant medicines and um, all of that. Like, where does all that tie into? Like, is... And I heard uh, Ram Dass say this once in, I think, a Duncan Trussell podcast of like, you know, psychedelics are really like a window into this spirit realm, but meditation is a door that you can actually walk through and you can navigate. Mm -hmm. When I mm -hmm. heard that, I was like, yeah, I think that's like for real. Like, I really agree with that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I definitely would have to concur because I think that the, the beauty and the purpose of plant medicine is to... Like I was saying earlier, it's hard to look. You know, once you look, you can see the truth. You can see the love. You can see these secret and beautiful hidden realms of reality once you start looking. But it's hard to remember to look. It's like, it's kind of like loose dreaming. You know, if you look at your hands, you can really like set a practice about triggering lucid dreams. But it's hard to remember while you're in the dream in that chaotic current pulling you forward to remember to look at your hands and i think waking life is also like a dream it has a momentum it has a fierce almost gravity to it pulling you into the future and it's hard to remember to look and hard to remember these things and i think plant medicine is like just just a you know a little friend along the trail saying like hey 
hey friend, don't forget to look. Like here, look over, look over in this direction, and uh, and it helped, and it just it's just like it sh it shoves you into those places. Whereas like meditation and setting up a practice of 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 you know doing it on a, on a steady daily basis, but then also just kind of making sure you're not just diving off a cliff you're kind of yeah you're opening the door you're walking in you're taking stock of the place looking around and you remember it like you know on on dmt visions and and mushroom trips it's like you see the truth but it's like a dream you wake up and you don't really like okay now what was the detail i had a detail i was supposed to remember but you know there's something there so it reminds you to look whereas meditation is actually like taking another turn you know instead of looking down to a new pathway you actually walk down that path and see what's see what's there um but yeah and then the different but then i think some of it too is also just it's just different interpretations it's kind of like the uh you know the old parable of the three blind men and the elephant where you have the psychedelic journey you have you know hindu meditation buddhist and all that stuff where diff they're blind men touching an elephant one blind man grabs a trunk says oh it's a tree another blind man grabs the tail says no no, no it's a camel and the third blind man grabs a trunk and says no no it's a snake and and they're all just grasping at different parts of this whole this reality that you can't really see so i think that i think there's room and there's space and importance for all of it you know whether it's you know fasting psychedelics meditation you know you name it, prayer, uh, it's all, I think all things in reality are equally important. It can lead you to truth. You just have to, you know, diversify, expand and, and, and look through it. But I do agree that, that, uh, the plant medicine is there just as kind of a reminder, just like, Hey, look over in this corner, do this sort of work and you can, you can achieve certain understandings. Yeah, man. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, you know, we've both had plant medicine experiences together and uh, over the years, and they are important. They are life shifting. And, you know, actually, so recently I was listening to um, Coast Coast AM because everybody knows that that's like my life is Coast <laughs> Coast AM. Um, but they had, uh, there is a woman on there, and I, I can't remember her name, darn it, um, but she was talking about near death experiences. And, uh -huh she did a study on near-death experiences and did a survey of people that had them when they were young and teenagers and then how they were affected when they were, you know, in their fifties or sixties. And, and something that really popped out in the, in the show was that she was talking about one of the most common near-death experiences is that people go into this black void of nothing and they're just there and they get so freaked out because there's nothing, there's nothing there in the void mm. in the blackness. And I just, my jaw dropped like, Oh my God, that happened to me when I was a teenager. Like I had a near death experience and I've always thought that. But when she talked about it, I said to myself that I really did have a near death experience when I was a teenager and, and, you know, pills and alcohol and, you know, between me and you, you know, we know that mm -hmm. I had a pretty rough teenage, I had some rough teenager years. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, I overdosed on pills and alcohol and I, I freaking died for a minute. Um, and I've come to realize that in the last couple of months of like, wow, I had a near death experience and 
you know, as you remember, like I went from, you know, doing all sorts of crazy stuff to what's Thomas doing? He's like a monk right now. He's like yeah. doing yoga and Tai Chi and all this crazy stuff and reading like 10 books a day or whatever he's doing. Like, just like, what the heck happened to him? And that was it, man. I got woken up. Like I got slapped across the face as a pretty young person. Like, bro, you can't be doing this. Like you're way too important for this. Like, wow, man. Yeah. I just, the whole near death experience too, I think ties into that. And I guess what I'd love to add is after, you know, I had that void blackness near death experience, but all my other spiritual experiences in life, like I know for a fact, and this is for me, this doesn't mean anybody else has to believe it, but in my own heart, I know that my consciousness goes beyond this body. Like I just, I know that and I don't care who believes me or not, but that's like, I just know it. Yeah. There's no question. Yeah. I mean, it, to me, that was, that was the gift that plant medicine gave me. Cause I, you know, most of my near death experiences were, weren't that near, you know, I fell off a cliff and snowboarding and didn't hit a rock. So I didn't actually have, I didn't go into the void or experience those things, but I've had, particularly recently a DMT experience that was that, you know, and I I'd had, I'd had other experiences meditative and or plant medicine based when we were younger that gave me hints, you know, this or that, but I had a DMT experience for the first time in the last year or two. And it was overwhelming. It was literally just, and I had these expectations. I had ideas for what I wanted to happen. And of course, the universe laughs at all that shit. It's just like, I don't know. You don't know the lessons you need to learn because if you knew the lessons you need to learn, you wouldn't need to learn that lesson. You know, that's kind of how it works. Right. And so I wanted to blast off and I wanted to talk to aliens and I wanted to you know do this and that. And all that ended up happening was I ended up doing Tai Chi in the woods with my dogs and dancing with the trees and the most profound, overwhelming understanding and kind of like almost myself whispering to myself that I chose to be here as a singular fleshed entity at this point in time. And that this is almost like a video game, you know, not to make light of it, but it's like I knew 100% and will always know 100% that my consciousness chose to be here and to take this journey. And part of signing up for this mission is you forget where you came from. And I also knew with a hundred percent certainty that all around me were little reminders, little things here and there, trivial things like, like adventure time or, you know, little, little things like, you know, the OA little weird, little things in media or, the way the tree moves or the sound of a bird, little things here and there are, are planted there reminders for when you can have the space to listen and look the reminders that you are an eternal entity in part of this singular whole consciousness. That's just taken a journey. You go on an adventure. You're like, I wonder what it's like to be Thomas worm, the human being on planet earth you know, in the year 2019, like we are all facets of the great consciousness getting to know itself better because 
the way these things move and turn, there has to be consciousness at every node to know what it's like. You know, there's, there's a consciousness that knows what it's like to be a tree, you know, trees are consciousness, the stars, the moon, there's a consciousness that knows what it's like to be the moon or the individual parts of a moon or the bacteria in your stomach. I mean, each one of those just different node of the great consciousness. And when you have those transcendent moments of plant medicine or near death experience, you know, like Graham Hancock and will tell you they're all kind of the same thing, you know, and, uh, it's just a reminder that you, you are an eternal being that chose to be here and that it's temporary and the temporariness is actually a good thing and not something to be feared because that was my biggest trouble when I was younger. I mean, until I discovered plant medicine saved me from depression because I was like hardcore atheist. I mean, you know that we were, we were pretty aggressively atheist when we were kids and I, I had panic attacks most of my life because of it. I was so afraid. The fear of not being, of no longer existing as the entity known as Johnny Bessie was debilitating to me for most of my life. But dancing with the trees under DMT and being softly lullabied and reminded that my ego self is just a tool. It's like an AI. It's like a, it's like a narrow AI program. The entity that is Johnny Bessie that is being overlaid over the actual general AI that is consciousness. And you have to realize that that overriding force that is your ego self is just, it's not you, but it is, you know, it's so powerful, man. Yeah. I always like, yeah, it's so hard to explain that, you know, I wrote about this in one of my books is like becoming the witness. Mm -hmm. Like you are not your thoughts. You are not your feelings. And it's so hard for a lot of people to see that or feel it and really embody it. But you are not your thoughts. You are the witness. And, and I think that alone, once you become the witness in your own mind, it's like, wait a minute, who am I then? Mm -hmm. Like, this is really okay. This is weird. Mm -hmm. Like if you're not your thoughts, then what is happening here? I think that's always the first step is, is what I tell people is like becoming the witness. Uh -huh. Yeah, definitely. Seeing, see, like examining your own thought patterns and how you think and behave is exactly the first step. Cause then you realize that, so you have your thought patterns and the way you think and behave, but then you have the part of you, the actual you that is examining the you that's making those thoughts and acting in those patterns and then you realize there's actually a separate consciousness behind it where it's yeah it's and then like you said it's it's complicated it's the greatest mystery of all you know explaining that you know that you are not you and you are you at the same time and that you are everything you are everything and your separate ego self simultaneously you know it, right. It's one of the hardest things. I mean, I, I had a, I had a trip once where I was meditating and I, I was kind of where you were at with that experience of going into the cosmos and being one going into the stars. And in the back of my mind, my ego self said, wait a minute, kind of raised its hand. It's wait a minute. What about me? Like, what if, 
you know, reminded me of All Dogs Go to Heaven, where it's like, if you leave, you can never come back. And I had this panic of like, if I joined my consciousness, if I rejoined all of existence, I wouldn't be Johnny anymore. It's kind of like the ego death, you know, the dissolution of the ego, where I had this panic of, well, if I'm everything, then I can't be Johnny anymore. Which now that I've actually processed it and meditated on it, I realize that's the dumbest thing I've ever said in my life. Because if I'm everything, I'm still Johnny. Because Johnny is part of everything. Like, if you truly transcend into the consciousness of all the universe, Johnny doesn't go away. It do, It's not one or the other. You become all of the things instead of just one thing. The ego self is just one thing. But if you transcend to into that consciousness of all the things, the ego self is still in that whole. So there is no separation. The idea of this kind of almost, you know, Abrahamic, Christianic duality of this or that, right or wrong, black and white, Johnny or everything, is just an illusion. And it was hard to reconcile that even in the midst of this transcendent experience, the ego self was that fear probably dumped a bunch of adrenaline into my brain. My meat vehicle went haywire and everything started cascading from there. But it's an important distinction to know that there is no separation. You are all things. Time is singularity. Everything. The idea of a singularity is kind of, is almost impossible for the meat brain to even understand, but that's the reality. Past, future, present, you, the moon, the stars, they're all a singularity, a, a, a singular existent unit. And you're just kind of a single expression of that, experiencing itself from a different point of view for a, a period of time. Yeah, man, that's so nuts. Like, uh, it's amazing. And one of the things that, uh, really took me to this place of understanding that we are one, that we are one consciousness, but separate in our own little nodes is, is my wildland fire career. And I'm so grateful for all the fire I got to see on the landscape. But what I really noticed was when these fires were going crazy and taking out this whole drainage or running across this ridge top or torching across a, a, a creek bottom. And I just so many times I would like, just understand that fire has consciousness like what this is so weird like are you sure and the more i really studied fire in my fire career the last you know 13 years of just looking at fire in the wilderness is like there is consciousness behind the elements there is consciousness in fire uh -huh. and the way it just moves across the landscape you know it gets stuck in a creek bottom and it would just kind of roll around to like wherever it could find a place to cross or it would just catch a wind to jump a ridge or you know it would wait till the perfect moment and you know reverse slope and take out this side of the canyon or just all those little things of you know the fire and then I, I started to really understand I could sense like the fire would tell me in a way like more of my gut more not in a telepathic way, but more in like a, a kinesthetic, like I'm sensing that this fire is going to take out this Canyon this afternoon. I don't want to be here. <sighs> and I really like followed that. And I always stayed safe. And it was just 
there's something there, that connection to, to the elements. And I guess that really gets into like, okay, if, you know, Dr. Emotos has literally proven that water changes with consciousness and, and intentions and what can we do with fire? And I just, I keep having this thought that we can manipulate fire with sound for some reason. Um, but, uh, yeah, just the consciousness and all the elements like, you know, air, earth, water, fire, it's all, everything like that has their own, their own node of consciousness, I think. And that, that was always a really amazing experience for me. Oh man. I mean, a hundred percent. I mean, I had two thoughts that, that just triggered my mind, but I remember one of the moments that I, cause I've always had a similar feeling about fire that. And water, like fire and water have been my two biggest connections. You know, I love, and the kind of like bringing those two together. I had an experience out on the uh, Strait of Juan de Fuca, Olympic Peninsula here. I was spearfishing, camping on the beach, just me. You know, went for a spearfish, caught some rockfish, made a little fire. And I was trying to catch some lingcod. And I was, you know, sitting there enjoying the moment, enjoying the fire, enjoying the water. And I was starting to get lost in the in the coals like I usually do. And it's, you want to talk about flow states, man, sitting next to a campfire and just letting your consciousness drift into the fire and kind of mingle with it can suck you away. But I was I was seeing patterns in the coals and saw a lingcod and a seal and kind of the story of, of that coastal region being played out in the coals of this driftwood. But then I had this epiphany that, you know, I was thinking about, how everything is consciousness and kind of the animism of all things, every little thing that is a separate thing is part of the whole, but separate for that moment. And then I was thinking about the sparks coming off of the fire. How each one of those, like the tree was a single entity, but then now it's burning that each one of those sparks was a new entity being born of that tree spirit into new separate spirits. And then all of a sudden, almost as if in acknowledgement, a single spark rose up brighter than the rest. And then when lifted about eye level and then made a 90 degree turn and came directly at my face and stopped about six inches from me and hovered right in front of me, almost like it was saying, oh, my God, you can see me, you know, I'm here. And then it winked out of existence. And it was it was one of the most profound experiences I've ever had. It was just kind of like you know, it's like, like I was saying earlier that when you know to look, you can see the love of all things. When you know to look, you can see the fact that everything is conscious. Everything has a spirit and entity. And then the other thought that came to mind in the story you were telling is when you're watching the fires go across the ridge and knowing that the, the element of fire has its own, each fire has its own spirit, its own soul, its own movement, you know, and then scientific, you know, reductionist explanations like well no there's greater patterns of the wind and the fuel here and the wind carries it that way and it's everything it's doing is moving to a predetermined pathway of its fuel source and its air and the prevailing wind currents but it's it can be both the idea that it has to be one or the other is kind of silly you know i had an experience in hawaii one of the most profound another profound experience i had with water i was watching this waterfall it's beautiful waterfall and it was just filling with this emotion. But I noticed that right as the water was the waterfall was about to hit the pool below it, there was an empty space there where it was like almost like it was hitting something that was invisible. Like there was and it was there was like dancing and moving. It looked like someone 
dancing on, on the water that was invisible and the water was bouncing off of nothing. You know, the logical part of my brain said, oh, it's probably a back pressure created by the force of the water falling into an immovable object that is the pool. But maybe that's just how that spirit manifests in the physical realm. It can be both. And if you really want to get into it, the idea that the fire moving is just predetermined patterns of of existence, that's how everything is. You know, the our bodies, our brains, our everything is just... It's just a continuation of cause and effect patterns going back to the Big Bang or beyond where everything that's ever happened in existence was necessary for you to exist, for me to exist the way we are now. And every every choice we make, every thought we have is predicated on the things that happened to us beforehand. We're shaped by our experiences, which were shaped by the causal events prior to that, which were shaped by the causal events prior to that, trauma and emotions going back millennia to the beginning of existence. So therefore, we are. you could use that same argument against us as conscious entities. That doesn't make us not conscious. Just because you can explain the physical actions and the causes and effects that caused the fire to move up a hill doesn't mean it's not a sentient being. You know, the idea that it has to be one or the other is is pretty silly once you really start to dive into what it means to exist right and that that really gets into uh, a little bit of uh, michael newton's work again of this predetermination and you know i don't know very many people that know about michael newton's work but he's a very famous hypnotherapist that took thousands and thousands of people through this uh, regression work past past the womb into this spirit realm where they were uh, basically in front of a council that's and they were basically shopping like oh yeah i want this to happen to me and i want that and i want to lose my leg and i want to get cancer and i want to have all these struggles because i want to learn these lessons and then they click the button okay and they buy that life and they come down and all those things happen to them so they can learn and it's and this whole what he writes about and is just insane because all he did was record what the patients were talking about and all of them are so similar i mean there's i think there's two or three thousand cases of this exact same thing happening and then it brings into you know dmt spirit molecule uh with rick strassman and all those experiences that are so similar and it's really interesting to like, okay, is there really like a spirit council and is our lives predetermined by our oversoul or over our higher self or whatever we want to call it? And it, that predetermination or everything's predicated, everything's, you know, predetermined, like you said, but it doesn't matter if it's scientific or mm. spiritual, yeah. like it's, it still has meaning and we all have meaning no matter what. Well, the idea that there's that there has to be one or the other is I think one of the flaws of our entire society. The idea that it's either science or spirit is absurd. Like we're both, again, it's almost like the, the blind man and the elephant. We're both grabbing onto a different part of reality and saying, no, 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 this is reality. No, 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 this is reality. And arguing over the fact that we're talking about the same thing. You know, it's like, it's just different means of explaining different parts of existence. And so the fact that you can explain it scientifically doesn't 
mean that it's not also in another aspect of its existence a spiritual experience and and again those are just semantic words to describe the trip of being a thing in existence you know it's like <laughs> yeah and it, it it's, it's totally true like the fact that causal and effect like you can like if you had all if you had enough data points of the movement of the universe you could know the past and the future like you could model the entire universe through the movement of every particle back to the big bang and you you would realize everything is predetermined and that it's all a pattern set from the beginning but that doesn't mean that that beginning wasn't also chosen by a consciousness from a spirit council like you we have such limited understanding of time and space and the boundaries of the universe and time and our understanding of it that just because you can explain like it's almost like it's almost getting back to what you're talking about earlier about how quantum mechanics is starting to ex explain the things that you know hinduism explained ten thousand years ago like we're we're coming to the same conclusions and so the the fact that we're squabbling over how we got to those conclusions is almost irrelevant you know, the fact that we're coming to the same conclusions I mean we're both talking about the truth, which we should be celebrating. Right, yeah, this whole science and spirit colliding mm -hmm. right now. It's such a beautiful time to be on our planet, and I know there's so much strife and struggle and suffering, but I am I truly believe with 100% of my heart that there is some serious consciousness shifting. There's vibrations are raising, and it's, uh, it's a struggle for a lot of people, but... Um, it's it's our planet is evolving into what we are supposed to be you know the next you know as michio kaku says a type one okay. civilization i truly believe that this is a a consciousness level shift that it's not technological but um yeah i think we're, we're getting up against time right. here but do you have anything you want to end on um ah, nothing specific man you know just again going to the flow state and and just just really appreciating the moment that we're in and that we've had. And, and I just, again, I mean, I want to, I want to thank you for having me and uh, also just thank you for our lifetime of friendship, man. It's been, it's been truly magical to, you know, the fact that we, we connected instantly and have been through almost three decades together, just exploring the crazy shit that is what is life, you know? And, uh, yeah, man, I'm just glad that uh, glad to know you. I'm glad to take this time and talk about all this stuff that we've been talking about since we were five on your front porch. <laughs> right? Yeah, what a crazy time it's been, and oh my gosh, I'm so happy we're friends. And I hope you'll join me on the podcast all the flipping time. Oh, so, sure, sure will, man. Um, sure will. You're more than welcome, and I know we're both avid podcasters, so this is like our life dream right now. <laughs> yep. So. This is amazing. So happy and really seriously, thank you for this deep conversation about our sacred ancestry and where we come from and where we're going and how to be happy and healthy, safe, and just beautiful people, unconditional love and compassion. That is, uh, that is the message of this podcast and sending you all love and divine energy and uh, take care and we'll talk to you on the next one. Oh. All right.
Thank you, everybody, for joining me and uh, Johnny on this beautiful conversation as two friends exploring consciousness, plant medicine, and everything in between. And I'd love it if you supported me on Patreon at Patreon slash Mountain Mind Tricks. You can find me at MountainMindTricks.com, uh, Mountain Mind Tricks on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter. You can also find me, uh, Thomas M. Worm, on my personal profile. Feel free to add me as a friend. And if you're looking for one-on-one coaching, if you want to transform your life and achieve your dreams and see your highest potential, then uh, contact me for some coaching. I'd love to transform your life and work with you and nurture your, your future. All right, that's the episode, and I hope I raised your vibration. And don't forget to do one random act of kindness this week. All right, love you all. Sending divine energy. We'll see you next time.